Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I welcome everyone listening to us on iTunes. I want to preach a message today called The Acts of the God Seekers, which I hope will bless you. And I'm in Acts 17 and just picking up in verse 26. I want you to have your Bible open because we're going to spend all our time in the book of Acts this morning. So please be ready to thumb through it and read some of these texts uh, together. Verse 26, in the middle of a, a sermon by the Apostle Paul, we read these words. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Isn't that a great verse, by the way? God determines, if we let him, the exact place where we should live. Isn't that great? God did this, verse 27, so that men would seek him. And perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about just this little thought here. That men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. Can you see that in verse 27? That men would seek him, men and women would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Not far. The book of Acts has often been, with its name, the Acts of the Apostles, has often been uh, referred to as, by sort of, Smarty pants people. They say it's not really the acts of the apostles at all. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. And it sort of is, of course. The Holy Spirit is powerfully moving throughout the book of Acts. But as I've often preached, often with my heart, with all of that's within me, actually if the apostles had not acted, there would be no acts. And it's, it is the acts of the apostles. The reason why this city can be shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit is because of churches like this that go and preach the gospel. You cannot bring revival through praying. You cannot bring a change into a community just through worship and intercession. You have to go and preach the gospel to every creature. And God answers the prayers that you have prayed in the prayer meeting. Anything else is just spiritual Nintendo games. Virtual reality. I remember one time playing a a computer game that involved, I think it was on an iPad, and I had to keep jumping over things. You know that kind of game? Constantly, you're going, no, I don't know what he's talking about, no. (laughs) I kept 
having to jump over things all the time with my finger. Oh, it's stressful, isn't it? And I remember one time walking around, and as I was walking around, I was looking at these um, benches, and I, suddenly in my mind I thought, I could jump over them. I've been jumping all day. But I couldn't, because it's just a game. And Christianity is not a game. And so we need to pray, but we also need to go preach. We need to pray and ask God for his blessing and his empowerment. But actually, the greatest thing we need is just his courage to go and do what he told us to do. So the acts is indeed the acts of the Spirit. It is indeed the acts of the apostles. Apostles just means sent ones. So don't worry about calling yourself apostles. If we go, we are apostolic. If we stay, we can call ourselves whatever we want to call ourselves. We are, we are not apostolic. But those who go, those who are sent, those who preach the gospel, uh, uh, are part of that apostolic ministry. But this morning, having said all that, I want to take just half an hour today, that's all, to talk about another group in the book of Acts. One of the groups is the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the angels of God, the kind of the spiritual forces at work, the demons as well, I suppose. Another group of people are the church, the apostles, Peter, Paul, John, Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, Philip, preaching the gospel. But there's a third group. There's a third group in the book of Acts that almost goes unnoticed. And I want to lift the lid this morning on this group because they are vital to the, to the outcome of the book of Acts. And this group are the people in Acts who are not yet Christians. There's loads of them. And I want to show you this morning, just for a few minutes, how busy they are as well. The acts of the non-Christians, all the way through the book of Acts, we see dedicated non-believers reaching out for God. And my purpose in sharing this with you is not to try to be clever, or show you something new in the Bible for its own sake. But to present this to you as a fact that these people are still around. Living in Cambridge now. And around the world. Let's just begin with, how many have I got here? Four of these. Four groups. And of course they, they intermingle with one another. But just for the sake of bringing some structure that, um, to this. Acts 2 and verse 5. Have a look. Acts 2 and verse 5. Right at the beginning. As the Holy Spirit is outpoured, there are two groups of people waiting. One group are the apostles and Christians and the new disciples. And they receive a flame on their heads. Can you say amen? And they're ready to go. But there's another group that are ready to go as well. And they are the people in Jerusalem at the time. Look what the Bible says. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. God-fearing Jews from every nation 
under heaven. Right as the Spirit of God comes uh, upon those first Christian preachers, as he comes on that very day, not so far away, in fact, I would suggest in the same building, there was a crowd of people who were not Christians. They were not believers in Jesus. But they were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Today I want to suggest to you, not, we're not so much thinking about God-fearing Jews in terms of Jewish Israelis living in Cambridge, although there will be some. But I'm talking now about what I'm going to call Christian England. I want to talk about people who don't know Jesus as their saviour, but they did go to Sunday school. Do you understand what I'm saying? People who have been in church. People for whom God, the name God, means something to them. People for whom the Bible means something to them. They might even write down on a form, religion. They might even write Christian down on that form. They might write C of E on that form. Who knows what they might write. They might be Roman Catholic. And they might attend Mass once in a while. But let me tell you this. Right here in this city, there must be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Do you believe me? People who once walked with God. People who maybe at one time were living in Nigeria or Zimbabwe or Kenya or Spain or South America. And while they were there, they were involved in church. But then when they got away from mom and dad and when they got away from all their friends, now they started to live lives just the way they wanted to. Backsliders or pre-Christians, however you want to. Think about that. But let me tell you this. There must be hundreds and hundreds of people for whom this is the case. That all they need, they have an incredible foundation already laid. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It's all The foundation is already down. They don't need to do ten weeks of Alpha. They just need one conversation with you, empowered by the Spirit, and they'll move to Omega. They're ready. They're ready. And these Jews in Jerusalem, devout people, worshipping people, people of the law, people who generally, you know, kept their noses clean, kept their lives in order, but they didn't know about Jesus Christ. They didn't know about the reality of a friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't know about the mastership of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when Peter preached to them, they got themselves converted immediately. They didn't need counseling. They didn't need weeks and weeks of discussions. They didn't need Christianity explored. They were ready. Are you understanding what I'm preaching about today? They were ready. And hear the word of the Lord today. 
they are still ready. And they are living in Cherry Hinton. And they are living in Barnwell. And they are living in Petersfield. And all the other places that now I I can't even remember. Bar Hill, I remember that. What a Tesco that was. I want to talk to you today about the acts of the God seekers. There are people and they are just waiting for you to share your faith with them. And they won't need much persuading. The foundation is already laid. Can you say amen? Just like these Jewish people. Christian England. People who sat in Sunday school. People who, even from my generation, and I'm 45 years old. I know I only look 44. But even in my generation, sitting in school, being taught that God was true. That Jesus was a historical character. That the Christian faith was the way to God. And they're all out there. They're all out there. And God has made them ready. So I want to encourage you today. This this whole thing. Oh, you know, evangelism is so hard. It's, it's so difficult. Is it really? Is it so difficult? When God has gone ahead and got these people ready to hear the gospel today. How many of them are there? Some of them are in your family, aren't they? Some of them are in your family. They just need to hear the good news about Jesus. And all that was poured into them will come alive again. And they'll become followers of Jesus Christ. Number two is people of other faiths. Turn to Acts chapter 10, 1 to 8. Acts chapter 10, the first group are the religious. And by that we mean Christian religious. Catholic religious, Church of England religious, Methodist religious, even Pentecostal religious. But they don't know Jesus. The second group, represented here by Cornelius, are people of other faiths. At Caesarea, Acts 10 verse 1. Are you with me? Okay, if you're with me, say aye. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. That means he's a Roman, a Roman soldier. Right? Think Russell Crowe, gladiator. Okay, you got that? Not Russell Crowe, Les Miserables. No singing, just a proper tough guy. Well, you know, singing. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Didn't do so well at the football, though. Verse 2, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He and all his family. Look at that. They were devout and God-fearing. Now, The Romans were not Jews and they were not Christians either. Romans had as many gods as they wanted to have. In fact, when the Romans took over a nation, they adopted those gods as well. You imagine the Roman book of gods, they had to republish it every few years. There'd be a few more. Another set of gods to add to the pantheon. 
Literally a pantheon. He and all his family, verse 2, were devout and God-fearing. So here is a man of another faith. He has a little bit of Judaism in him. But generally speaking, he's a man of all kinds of different beliefs and philosophies and faiths. But look what the word of God says. It says he was devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. Look at me now. Don't you think that right on our doorstep in this city, there are people this morning who are not in any kind of church, but they will pray today. Yes? Yes? Am I telling the truth? They will pray today. They have some kind of connection with God. They don't understand the gospel of Jesus. But they have some kind of connection with God. This morning, they aren't in church, but they are praying. And asking for God's comfort on all those who died in that appalling plane crash. They are moved when they're watching the news, seeing what's happening in Gaza and Israel. And they're praying. They don't know Jesus. But they are praying. Now what else did he do? He gave generously to the poor. Some of them aren't praying. Some of them are wearing a pink shirt right now. And they're running for life. This morning, there are hundreds and hundreds, and every time I say this, I actually want to say thousands, of people who believe in God in Cambridge, but they don't know his name's Jesus. And there are thousands of people in Cambridge who believe in God and they that faith has moved them in their character to give to the poor and to give their lives to others. But they don't know his name is Jesus. And look what happens. One day at about three in the afternoon, verse three, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came and said, Cornelius, Cornelius, stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he said. And the angel answered. Now listen, because this helps us to see God's point of view on these people. The angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Isn't that amazing? Someone who is not in covenant with God. He's not in the old covenant with God. He's not in the new covenant with God through Jesus. But because of his devotion, because he was giving to the poor, because he was a man of prayer, even though he didn't know who he was praying to, or maybe he was praying to some other God. And yet he found himself in God's sight, the real God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that he's saved. He isn't saved. He isn't in relationship with God through Christ. But the fact that he was a spiritual person and the fact that that was genuine, not just ritualistic now, but it genuinely affected him. He's giving to the poor. He's devout. And his whole family are the same. He came onto God's radar. Isn't it amazing? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? He came onto God's radar. Well, have a think about it for a moment. The north, the south, the east and the west. 
of this building just across the street from here. There are people all over Cambridge. Some of them would call themselves Buddhist. Some would call themselves Muslim. Some would call themselves Jedi Knights. People of other types of faiths. And here's the saddest thing of all. The devil tells us, you can't reach these people. Well, excuse me. Excuse me. We can't reach these people. I say maybe some of these people are more ready than their atheist, secularist, humanist neighbors. Remember one time when I was working at the cinema, cleaning up all the seats. A cinema is a funny place. It has been designed to get dirty. You create a room on like a tilt, right? Then you sell people drinks that don't fit in the holders. Then you sell them popcorn that they're not going to eat because it would take a week to eat it. And you encourage them to put things on the floor. What happens is people spill their cola and it washes forth. Uh, hot dogs and popcorn and anyway, I won't go any further with this. But I had a friend and I, and we used to clean it up. So we used to wait for the film to finish as soon as everyone was out. And there'd always be someone sitting there, you know, watching the end of the crowd. I just want to see who the best boy was in this film. I want to know who was the lighting director. Get out! I've paid for the, I've paid here all the music on the end credit here. Get out! I've got a popcorn swamp to clear up before the next crowd. Well, bless them, I'm a bit like that. I like, I like to hear the music too. But a friend and I, we used to come in and clean it up. And we got on so well, so well. In fact, I got on better with him than anyone else among the staff. To this day, I don't have contact with him. I kind of miss him. But he was a very devout Muslim. Very devout Muslim man. And do you know what? We had a whole lot in common. Now don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Christianity and Islam are not the same at all. They're completely different. But he was a young man who believed in one God. Yes, he believed in being um, devout. He believed in keeping his life clean. He believed in being polite and kind and, you know, all these other stuff. And somehow we made a fabulous connection. I believe that God makes people ready to hear the gospel. And there's this liar that either we tell ourselves or the enemy tells us that certain people are unreachable. Are they really? Because here was a man who worshipped idols. But God sent an angel because God saw his spirituality. God saw his righteousness. God saw his prayer life, even though he, he didn't really know the, the real God. And God says to Peter, you've got to go preach to him. Now, where are these people today? Because we need this to work. We need King's Church to be apostolic, to go and preach the gospel. And we need King's Church, when they go and preach the gospel, to have this in their hearts. I am going today to people whom God has made ready to hear the word. 
And when you're out on a Tuesday night or a Saturday or whenever it may be, if somebody says to you, well, actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a Buddhist or I'm a Quaker or I'm a whatever. Can I just encourage you now? Do not hit reverse. Do not hit reverse. Because maybe such a person has been prepared for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. To hear the truth that of what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. I wonder how many in this room, if you met someone of another faith, your instinct would be, I better, I better hit the reverse. This isn't going to work. It's a lie. Look what God did. Here was a moral, good, prayerful man that God was making ready to hear the gospel. Look at this in verse 7, just before we move on. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. Do you see that? Look, there's another one. It's another one. Another devout person who doesn't know Jesus. But Jesus wants to know him. And so he sends his servants to him. Flick back in your Bible to Acts chapter 8. The first group is the religious. The second group is those of other faiths and beliefs. The third group of God seekers in the book of Acts are what I've simply called the honest and confused people. Acts chapter 8 is the story of Philip. And I want you to see uh, this verse won't come up on the screen. Let me just read it to you though. Verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, unclean spirits came out of many Many paralytics and cripples were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he goes down, just to pick up the story a little bit faster. Verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot. And stay near it. Verse 30. Everyone with me? Acts 8 verse 30. You all with me? Yeah. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said. Look at me. How can I? Unless... Unless somebody explains it to me. How can I? How can they understand? Unless we go and explain it to them. How many people are there like this? Here's a guy. Now again, (laughs) he's Ethiopian. He may have uh, had all sorts of religious ideas. He's found himself, now, you understand, I'm I'm now using modern parlance, with a Gideon Bible. He's got a Gideon Bible. He's considering whether or not to steal it from the hotel. And he's reading it, 
and he doesn't understand it. I want to tell you this. There must be thousands and thousands of people in our country like this. And we want to know, why don't they turn to God? Why don't they repent? Why don't they believe? And this is what they cry back to us through this text. How can we? Unless somebody explains it to us. (laughs) Can you see that? How can we? become Christians? How can we find ourselves to a church? How can we know the meaning of life? Unless somebody explains it. I've got to say something. I don't need to be offended by it. I don't need to misinterpret it. But here was a man with a Bible in his hand and it wasn't enough. Yes, it wasn't enough. And giant billboards and flyers. And even if we put a Bible in everyone's home in Cambridge, that would not be enough. How will they understand? You give them a Bible and they find themselves in the book of Leviticus. What's going on here? It says here, I'm not allowed to wear clothing woven of two fabrics. Oh, look, I'm in the book of Leviticus. Rules on what insects I'm allowed to eat and which insects I am not allowed to eat. We have a rule in our home. We don't eat any insects. Just in case it offends our palates. (laughs) I was preaching in Brazil once. I shared the story this week. And while I was preaching, a creature went in my mouth. Now, this was 2009. I've got a feeling it's still in there. Every now and then I feel something inside. Like, it's got like a Brazilian accent. When Brazil lost the World Cup, it began kicking. Uh, there are people who need an explanation. Come on, look at me. They need an explanation. It's not good enough for us to stand here and say, Lord, give them dreams. That's not good enough. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if God gave All the Muslims dreamed. Yes, it would. If we were ready to explain it to them as well. Wouldn't it be great if we could put a Bible in everyone's house? Yeah, that would be great. But we need to be ready to explain it to them. Listen to me carefully. There are people you work with and they seem to be hostile to church and hostile to the gospel. It's because they don't understand. It's not because they're mad or angry or cross or anti-God. They just haven't. Now, some may be. But a lot of people just need a bit of time. Can you say amen? And whose time do they need? Yours, I'm afraid. Yours and mine. The reason I read you the early part of this narrative, and I hope this comes like a revelation to you, Philip the evangelist is known for his miracles. He went into the city and there were miracles, devils screamed out of people, cripples walked. But when it came to this man, he did not pray that he had a miracle in the chariot. He had to know his Bible. When he sat in the chariot, it wasn't about his charismatic powers. 
He didn't say, you're reading Isaiah. I haven't got a clue about that. So let me just pray for you so that you feel the spirit. Hello? <laughs> right? That's not what happened, is it? He said, let me explain. Let me give some answers to your questions. Let's be really clear. Of course, look at me. Of course, we haven't got all the answers to all the questions. Of course, we haven't. No one has. There are going to be questions people will ask you over the, you know, coffee break at work or over the water cooler or on the tube or whatever. They're going to be, well, maybe not on the tube because there's, it takes a vow of silence, don't they? But, but, um, I went on the tube the other day. I was on it for an hour. The only thing I ever heard anyone say was mind the gap. I only just thought of that joke. Some people, they just need it being explained. And you're going to need to know your Bible then. There are certain things we can't answer. If there's a God in heaven, why are, why are all these children dead in Gaza or in Ukraine or, you know, the, all sorts of questions. And next week, I'm afraid the news will be something else. It'll be something else. And we don't have the answers to all the questions. But there are some answers we do have. God is good. Jesus saves. Your problem is you need to be forgiven. God has revealed himself in the, in the face of Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. He got into the chariot and he gave the man some time. I am as passionate as anybody here that the demonstration of the Spirit's power is essential. So don't misread or misunderstand what I'm saying. May you see more and more and more miracles all the time. But you're also going to need to know your Bible. You're also going to need to be able to sit down with people who don't need their leg to grow. Their legs are perfect just the way they are. Don't look at me and go, Cuh, someone's come in today with two perfectly decent legs. No evangelism today. Are you sick? No, that's a shame. Come on. Some people just need you to sit with them, talk with them, explain to them. How can I know, he said, unless someone explains to me. So Philip didn't do a miracle. Didn't drive out a demon. Didn't give him a third leg because he had two perfectly good ones. He explained to him. Study to show thyself a workman approved unto God and needeth not be ashamed and rightly divides the word of truth. So three groups. The religious. Christian England. The backslider. The Sunday schools. Both in this country and in and on other other continents. People who were confirmed in religious Christian churches. People who attended mass. People who've had some connection, baptism, something. They're waiting for you and they're already halfway there. People of other faiths don't think it's impossible because they're waiting for you and they're halfway there. They've already rejected the scientific explanations of this world. They already believe in that there's a spirit. 
world and a higher power. Some of them believe there's one God. You're halfway there. And number three, there's a group of people who just need a bit of time. This world, through all our media, has so programmed people to be so humanistic. Let's give people at least a few weeks to get unplugged from all that. Can you say amen? The idea that we can preach a, a sermon and they can, all their ideas can be transformed in half an hour is really extremely uh, fantastical. Most people have been going the wrong way, thinking the wrong things for so many years. At least give them a couple of months going the right way to at least look like they're beginning to get themselves in order. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And there's one final group. One final group. And then I want to pray. It's in Acts 18. This is maybe a mixture of all the groups. Verse 9. One night. Everyone there? I want you to see it in your Bible. Acts 18 and verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you and no one is going to attack you. It's good, isn't it? No one's going to harm you. Why not? Look, because, read it with me, I have, come on, many people in this city. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. I have many people. In this city. What's he talking about? I want to suggest to you. I don't know. But I want to suggest to you. That this is the foreknowledge of God. This is God who doesn't live in time. Lives outside of time. So God doesn't predict the future. He's already in the future. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. Don't stop preaching. Don't stop reaching the unchurched and the non-Christian and the pre-Christian. Don't stop speaking to the religious and the non-religious, to those of faith and those of none. Don't stop speaking. If you go through a season where you're not as successful as you were a couple of weeks ago. Why? Because Hear the word of the Lord. God says to you in this city, I have many people here. Many people here. They're not born again yet. But some of them are going to lead worship in churches. They're not born again yet. But some of them have a call to the nations. But right now, they're sleeping off a hangover. Right now, they're in bed with their boyfriend. Right now, they're muttering about what a load of rubbish church and God is. Right now, that's where they are. But that's not where they're going to finish up, sweetheart. Because God is going to save them. God is going to transform them. And they themselves will become the new apostles. 
they themselves will become the new preachers. Right now they hate God. But not so long from now, they'll die for God. Not so long from now. They hate the church, but very soon they're going to have the keys to the churches. Once you vet them appropriately, I have many people in this city. Who's busy in the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit? Yep. Very busy. Who's busy in the book of Acts? The apostles? Very busy. But there's another third group. Extremely busy. A group of people who are just waiting to hear the good news. And I suggest to you that they're in Cambridge right now. Right now. They might need a miracle. They might need you to explain things to them. They might be part of the Christian faith of yesteryear or some other faith of this year. But the Son will set them free and their names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to finish with just one more verse. And I'm a bit nervous about this verse because I really believe, I really believe it's important. Acts 16, verse 9. In Acts 16, Paul has a vision. Acts 16, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging. I want you to Notice that, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. In the biblical narrative, this is more than just Macedonia. They did indeed go to Macedonia, they went to Philippi. But it represents the continent shift of going to Europe. Paul and his companions are in Asia. But this verse is pivotal in Bible history. Paul perhaps hadn't thought to himself that he needed to go to Europe. He probably thought he had enough to do. But now comes the word of the Lord. Come over to Europe and help us. And I want you to picture, in your own imagination, a man, a European face, whatever that is. He's not kneeling, he's standing and begging. What does that look like? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? But God's speaking into our midst. To you. And especially a number of people here. Come over to Europe. And help us. And we break this lie today. That the Europeans don't want Christ. Yes they do. We break this lie today that. Great moves of God are for. Latin America. Africa. Or the Bible Belt of America. But Europe. Shall be saved too. Shall be saved too. Come over 
to Europe and help us. Come over to Europe and help us. And for that, that would mean some of you getting on an aeroplane and going. But others hear a different side to that. Paul sees the heart of the European, which includes Britain and includes Cambridge. Please speak to us. Please preach to us. Please come and help us. The next verse says at once, they got ready to leave. They didn't leave, but they began to get ready to leave. And I prophesy to you today, get ready to leave. Get ready to go. Get ready. And whatever you can do with your memory, and maybe I'm not the best model, I'm certainly not the best looking man in the room, but look at me. For a moment, consider me a European. Come over and help us. Come and help us. Come and help us. Come and help us. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.